Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks that your spirit is alive and well upon the face of the earth and it is putting all things in order according to your design, according to your pleasure. Let us participate in that prosperity. Let us participate in the significance and the meaning for us to be upon the earth in this season and that we might Walk in those things that you have prepared from before the foundations of the earth. Lord, reveal them to us. Because the revealed things belong to us and the hidden things belong to you. And we could do nothing unless you show us the way. Unless you lead us the way we should go. Prosper your word tonight in the hearts of your people. And make it as good seed planted in good soil that will bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name. Let us line up, O oh God, with your heart, become aligned with your spirit so that we can see your glories follow. Prosper this word wherever it is heard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Paul was fulfilling his passion when he is confronted with God. And God gives him these exact words in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 18. He says, Paul, you're not to continue in what you thought was your purpose. But you will walk in my design for your existence. We can start in verse 17, I believe. Acts 26, 17. He's retelling the story of how he started pursuing Christ, how he began to believe in the Lord. And he says like this, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to the authority of God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and they might receive an inheritance amongst those that, who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the purpose of Paul's calling to remove people from darkness to light, uh, those whose eyes are closed that cannot see. There are so many millions of people upon the earth. We heard on Sunday a line of 750,000 men wrapped around the earth 30 times shoulder to shoulder that are going to hell because they cannot see and their eyes are in darkness. They cannot understand light. And this is the, the worst thing about it is, listen to this word here, and from the authority of Satan, Satan authoring their lives. I don't know if you know people like this. It seems like the devil is telling their story. What they're living is a nightmare. 
There's no joy. There's no peace. And things are utterly upside down. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to open eyes, to bring peoples to light, and to um, remove them from under the authority of Satan so that they come to the authority of God. So that they might receive a release of their sins and an inheritance. Um, I continue to say that since I've given my life to the Lord and I've passionately pursued Him, and I tell my kids this all the time, our inheritance is huge. 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 Uh, far surpasses um, value in monetary terms. There are people that are super wealthy that cannot stop living their nightmare. And so this is what God is doing. And, and it's the inception of all those of us who start a walk with Jesus. The concept of a, being under the power of darkness, of fulfilling the desire, because authority means rule, and going from one ruler to another ruler. Um, and it, 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 it's filled with, with, with detail and illustration. The fullness of this being removed from the devil's existence and, 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 and plan for your life and manuscript, if you were playing out life, um, it's like, that's not what I created this gentleman for. And, and now there's a new ruler. And everything that governs the life of these people who have left darkness to light from the power of Satan to the power of God is now abundant peace, incredible joy, and, and more than just doing things right, it's righteousness. It's doing things right more and more all the time. You're trying to, instead of, instead of trying to figure out where you're at, and, and, and ending up doing things wrong, you find out what is right, and you're going you're gonna to even teach other people how to have expressions of rightness. So that, that is huge righteousness. It's the kingdom of God. We see the, this there in Romans 14, 17, as they're describing what this uh, authority brings. It's a government. And it says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking... It's not something that you're at the liberty to do whatever you want, however you want. But the fruit of doing what God wants, what, what is the motivation? It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. And these are, these are three aspects of life that a lot of people do not have. They're living upside down in all sorts and manner of unrighteousness. They're doing things wrong. They have no peace. I have no peace. And joy is unheard of. I, I hear this testimony on Sunday of this gentleman who's a highly educated individual going into the Amazon to see a witch doctor who probably didn't go to school. And he's, he's subjecting himself to the treatment of pharmaceutical roots and plants and hallucinogens to remove the anguish of the soul. And then when you tell him to come to Jesus and to come to church, he's like, I don't believe in God. And the Bible says that, that 
Although they knew God, they didn't glorify him. They didn't go seeking him. They became foolish in their heart and their understanding became darkened. And this guy, this guy, he won't come to church, but he'll go out there and, and come underneath the instructions of a witch doctor. And so I want, to, I want to tell you that the most glorious thing there is about connecting with God as the author of your life, as you're able to um, transfer, that there's going to be an expression of righteousness, peace, and joy that far exceed. I, I love Hebrews 1.9. If we could go there real quick. This is what happens when you come underneath the authority of God. He allows you to distinguish between right and wrong. He says, because you have loved things that are right and you hated things that are wrong. This is the distinction. If you want you know, a mystery, how do I become the happiest person on the earth? Find out what's right and do it a whole bunch. And find out what is wrong and run from it. So we got to the to we got to Christianity when I was in college and they they said no sexual intimacy in the kingdom of God until you're married. And I was like, these guys are nuts. I mean no sexual intimacy. Are you crazy? And guess what? It's the best thing that ever happened to me in my life is to establish a principle of no sex until marriage so that I can enjoy long-term peace with my wife. But I didn't understand that. So a lot of times when we come to authorities like, oh, you know, what's going on? Why are you trying to tell me what to do? Listen, it would be, it would be uh, the sheer expressions of you finding the wellspring of life that you could discern the authority of God so that you don't love what is wrong and hate what is good. Some people love to have an affair and they hate their wives. That's how twisted this world has become. But the Bible says if you love your wife and hate that woman who's trying to destroy your life, then you're going to be a happy man. If not, you're going to live inferno. Every demon in hell is going to take advantage of you. So Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to him who calls good things bad and bad things good. Um, just touching the base on this Hebrews 1.9 before they take it off here. Listen to what he says. The oil of your gladness will be more than your companions. When you love what's good and hate what's bad, your level of joy far surpasses those that are around you. And then Isaiah 5.20 he says, Woe to those who call evil good. And call good things evil. I hate my wife. She's horrible. But I love my girlfriend. I'm going to get a couple more. And that guy is a miserable fool the rest of his life. Because his manhood is in question. He cannot stand up to be a man. Because he's not walking in the image and likeness of God. And God doesn't cheat. And God would never. The Bible says it's impossible for him to be unfaithful. Impossible. The very nature of God is faithfulness. And so coming to understand authority is, is not calling good things evil nor darkness, putting darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter things for sweet, sweet things for bitter. And let me tell you something. There's a huge confusion upon the earth because you cannot know God 
and walk contrary to authority anywhere. We read it last, last week in Romans 13. He says, all authority has been placed there by God. And it's been placed there for the good of those that walk in it. Romans 13 verse 1. Put it up there on the on the. Let every soul come and, and find who, what is governing, who is governing, where is God's order, and come in line with God's order. For there is no authority except what God has placed. And all authorities that exist are established, appointed by God. He's put them there in, in good place. So the people that came to know God, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John 1.1. 1, 1, that which is from the beginning, which we heard, we have seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, our hands have handled, concerning words that produce life. And this life was manifested and we see it and we bear witness to it and declare to you that the that eternal life which was from the Father was manifested to us. That's which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with God and with His Son. And these things we write to you, that you might experience full measure of joy. You just line up with everything that is God's line discerning what is God's measure and living within those boundaries, within that order, so that your joy might be full. In verse 5 he says, this is the message we've heard from him. And we declare that God in him is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Paul, I'm going to take you out of darkness. I'm going to take you out of the authority of Satan where people are blind. In God there is no darkness. There's no 50 shades of of gray. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk without authority, we lie and do not practice the truth. And we're living in a generation of Christians who say they know God and respect no authority. They don't, they don't have a pastor, they don't have a church, they don't they don't they, they haven't discerned the order of God for the house. They're in darkness. They're not enjoying fullness of joy. And they do not practice truth. And so this has been the situation um, that is in controversy. And I, I just want to put it out there that we need to come to the place to know the principle of authority. Not, not so this church could be your authority. Not so I can authorize or or subject you under some form of leadership. But you, you cannot sincerely say you have left the realm of Satan and you have left the kingdom of darkness and, and you walk about without any respect in any form for this established order of God. In him there's no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus is there to cleanse us from our sins. And so how is it that we come to this place? I want to tell you how Jesus came to it as he announces in John chapter 8. This is what 
what his mindset was, even in his advanced age. He says, my life is all about one thing. I believe it's verse 29. John 8, 29. I've been sent. He who sent me is with me. I walk with God. I'm, I'm connected to God. I'm able to enjoy the expression of his existence for my life because him and I walk together and the Father has not left me for one second. And he hasn't left me for one second because I, say with me, always do those things that please him. We, we could just stay on this one verse the rest of the night. I want to give you more though. I want you to connect the dots. That when you are doing what pleases God is because you're connecting yourself with the alignment of his order. It's his kingdom. It's, it's the realm where he governs. And to be, I've only learned this in the last couple of weeks and months here, that to be outside of, of the government of God is to be outside his love. Walking away from his embrace, his goodness, his protection, his provision. So whenever I'm challenged to leave that, I know that, that, that things are not going to go well. I know that things are not, they're not going to have the significance. That would be full of a lot of other things. But I, I want us to, as we speak tonight, because I, I'm, I've been a part of a lot of churches. I've, been, I've, I've listened to a lot of pastors, and they want you to be under their realm of authority. But they're totally not consistent with doing that which pleases God. It means you're, you're just doing the religious practice of a man or an institution. But that man doesn't have the heart of God. He's not listening to God. He's not obeying God. He who sent me is with me. That, that gives you authority. I don't care what you're doing. If, if you're doing, if, if you're walking with God and you're representing his character, his attributes, his presence, his heart, that, that is authority. And, and that's what we need to discern. And the people who discern that and are able to live in that reality will always be accompanied by God. And, and our pursuit is to always, always, always do those things that bring pleasure to him that he desires. And that was Jesus' life. And that, that, that qualified him for something. The Bible says in Philippians 2.8 that being fashioned and found in the form of man, this is where you're at. Has anybody questioned that fashioned as a man here upon the earth? Being found in appearance as a man. He took the low road of humility. And so that's, that's, that's the direction of authority. You had to put on humility. And in that humility, he... He became obedient. The expression of obedience shows that there is authority. And he did so in the expression to his father to the point of death and even a death on the cross. I want to ask you a question. If submission qualifies you for authority, if serving, if, if obedience, who, who reigns on high forevermore. Christ. 
And the Bible says, for this reason, we go to verse 9. For this reason, therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. And these principles of authority concerning the kingdom of God and serving the Lord is strategically in place prior to you coming into the purpose of your life. That means who is God going to entrust? Those who follow Christ. Those who have exercised humility, obedience, faithfulness, suffering. Therefore, in, in, in the verse 9 when it says, in verse 9, therefore, you can say, for this reason. For this reason, God was prepared to raise him up and give him the name which is above every name. Verse 10, it says that at his name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall come under of those in heaven on earth and those under the earth. Verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. How are we going to take our positions of authority in the kingdom to rule upon the earth when we refuse to get with God's program to become servants? And so you'll see that Jesus Christ now becoming the head over all things. Colossians 1.18. He, Christ, is the head of the body. And just so you don't know what the body is, it's the church. If you're not connected with your church, you're not connected with the body. And a lot of people have been offended at church. They, the church rubs them wrong. They're not part of the body. Because Christ is coming for his church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence? Christ. Matthew 28, 18, he says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When Paul comes in Acts 2, 36, um, Peter, Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. He is the head. He is the one that has all authority. And all authority emanates from him. I want to tell you that authority is really unnatural for man. What is natural for man? Rebellion. That's why we could do it so much easier, so much quicker. We have expressions of rebellion all the time. I have a, a running joke with my missionary friends when I go across seas and they say, hey, pastor, put your seatbelt on. And just to mess with them a little bit, I go, I don't feel like it. Because that's a rebellious attitude. And they're like, the man of God is being rude here. And it's not that I don't feel like it. I like to make an edge on that attitude because I embraced that attitude for a long time. Don't tell me to get to church on time. Don't tell me to read my, bring my Bible. Don't tell me to faithfully serve in the house of God. Don't tell me to, to worship God and, and give him the best worship. 
And so all that stuff is there. And last night when we were, I mean, last week when we were sharing on world-changing anarchy, people were upset, especially the Latinos on Thursday night. They were, they were upset. It's like, don't, don't bring this subject. You tell a wife to respect and honor her husband, she's like, don't go there. Don't go there. Because it's not going to happen. And then the, the husbands have the same attitude in the house of God when you tell them to be accountable. And so God wants us to forget about the context of Spring of Life Fellowship, which incidentally is the reason why I'm sharing this. Because I want the kingdom of God to be a reality here. I want to see the expressions of his glory. I don't want to see man's, man's glory fades quickly. When it stops manipulating and sensationalizing, that's when it's gone. If, if we have to be up here trying to fabricate a church, I have better things to do. But I want to see the glory of God. In our vision statement is a place where everybody gives God their best without excuses. Not because somebody's telling you. That's, incidentally, that's why we don't pass the offering plate. Because I refuse to jingle you out of a tip for God. And we're seeing people that love God and the expression of their passion to serve and give God their best is amazing. This is how do you do it, Pastor? We try that in our church and nobody gives if we don't pass the plate. That's not a church. Because in a real church, they see what Christ has given and they, they will outdo him. They will live for his honor. You can give a hand to the Lord. Amen. Wellington Boone says, seeing who can outdo who. Giving God the best. Because he's given the best to us. And in an atmosphere where there is no cajoling and manipulating and, and indirect, there's a natural expression. One pastor called me one time. This was about 15 years ago. and We're about 15 years old, so this is right when the church was starting. He says, hey, pastor, there's a guy here. He really knows how to pick up money. I'll send him your way. I'm like, we're doing something a little different. He's like, what do you mean different? Yeah, we want people to give their hearts, not their money. Their lives, not their weekend, whatever. Just live. Paul says as a living sacrifice, holy, surrender to the king. So there, Peter was trying to tell these people, he is Lord and he is Christ. And authority is unnatural. And submission, supernatural. Rebellion becomes our normal scenario. One pastor was saying, do you have to teach your child to say lies? Or do you teach your child that he ought to say the truth? You don't have to teach your kid to lie. That's natural. To tell the truth is supernatural. It's, it's an excellent spirit that comes upon you. I took that the spirit of God once into a car dealer. Have you ever done that? And tell car salesmen, I invoke the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, 
tell me how much this car cost you. <laughs> it was okay. I bought it for 10000 but uh, at least let me make 500 on top of that. I said, yeah, you're, you're, you could have an earning, but don't lie and cheat and steal. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of truth. And so that's what God wants us, to have that spirit that cannot rebel, that does not incline its heart towards rebellion. So he establishes his church upon the earth. In Matthew 16, verse 18, I also say to you, Peter, that on a solid foundation, on a rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You couldn't rebel if you tried. It's not your nature. It's not the nature inside of you. And I will give you authority as I place upon your hands the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So whatever you take authority over on the earth will be as it is in heaven And whatever you loose upon the earth will be loosed in heaven. And that's where we talk about walking as Christ walked upon the earth. 2 Peter 1.3 says, According to these divine authority that has been given to us. Second Peter 1.3 As his divine authority has been given to us in all things that pertain to the life of God and godliness through understanding the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by excellence, out of ways of Satan, out of rebellion, out of disobedience, into the power of God. For us to live upon the earth. And so he ran into these paradigms of authority principles in Matthew 8, 5. When he entered Capernaum in a century, a military man was there. He came forward to appeal to him. And he, he came in a low spirit. He could have come in a high spirit. Then he said, my servant, he said, Lord, that established it right there. A man of Roman military authority came low. Said, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. He's, he's in the realm of Satan. He's in the realm of the authority of darkness. He's not enjoying the kingdom of God. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Jesus was, was ready to go. In verse 8, he says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. What was the concept that the centurion understood? Verse 9. For I also am a man of under authority. He says, Jesus, I know that you stand under God. So because you're under God doing what pleases God, God is giving you the ability to speak. I also am a man under authority and I have soldiers under my care and I say to this one, go and he goes. I say to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. He's explaining the principles of this practice. It's 
So he says, you need not come, just say the word. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, he turned around to his followers and he said, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great character, faith in all of Israel. Verse 11. Listen to what he says now here. This is powerful. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Many will come that are part of of God's people. Verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's some people that will never be able to come to God's provision because they don't understand the principles of, of honor and authority. Principally authority. They, they don't understand the, the benefit from it. And the more, and, and this was, Sixto Porra said it from this pulpit about a year ago. He says, some of you will not take a step of promotion until you humble yourself to come under the authority God has established in your life. You're wasting your time and you're wasting your efforts and you're wasting your energies until you come to the place where God has established in his kingdom for you to serve, to obey to humble yourself. And any strife to lift yourself above that is called rebellion. Any competition. You can see people that struggle with this. Very competitive edge. Never can see authority in any realm. And last year when the Lord began to talk to us about lining up in order for him to bless our ministry. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to, to come under the leadership of GF and, and Powerhouse Christian Church. And somebody asked me, why, why would you do that? As I, I hear your teachings, as I see who you're in relationship with, this is almost like you're, you're, not, you're, you're not holding your, your place and I answered that person, I said, because I don't want to become a devil. I don't want to become above all things, set my throne above the throne of God, in the mountain of God. I, I need to be someplace where I can honor and obey and submit. And that's the kingdom of God. That's what I've learned in, in a season that I didn't have that capacity when I was a rebel. Matthew 20, verse 25 and Jesus says, but Jesus called them to himself and he says, you know that those that rule amongst those who know not God love to take the high places. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. There's out there in the world, they don't know submission. They don't know humility. They don't know. I was just talking to a man. He says, I went to corporate America. And what they teach us there is dog eat dog world. Grab the guy in, in front of you and ahead of you and slay him. And you take his place. This woman, Sandra, um, she's, she's the CFO for Facebook. She's the new face of the feminist movement. Teaching women, you don't have to submit to men. Just slay them like a dragon. And she comes out on Time Magazine beating her husband at Scrabble. 
Yay for her. But this world doesn't teach submission. It doesn't teach obedience. It doesn't teach humility. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus took no reputation, humbled himself. And it says the Gentiles lord over. The Gentiles exercise great authority over those who they're placed in rule. This has been my, my, my scenario at church here for the last 15 years. People say, Pastor, I want to lead. I said, Brother, you better serve. Because if you don't serve, you're not going to lead no one. You might think people are letting you lead, but no. Jesus taught the principle of authority, verse 26, when he says, But it is not so among you. It shall not be so. It shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to have authority and become great, let him become a servant. This is what establishes you in the kingdom of God. You see, in, at home, a husband and a wife, power struggle for authority. She doesn't listen to me. He doesn't listen to me. Start serving. You're going to see all ears attend. Uh, attention. When there's a servant's heart, it compels greatness. It establishes, it crowns you with authority. And you see confusion in a place where there are no servants. It shall not be so amongst you. Verse 27, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be a slave. Authority is not a manner of position. It's primarily a matter of life. It's humility. It's wisdom. It causes strife to cease. It causes arguments to be gone. The Bible says where there's pride, there's much contention. There is no humility. In Numbers chapter 16, uh, the elders, they, they thought that they had vested themselves with the authority. And they went over to Moses and they say, you're not supposed to lead us. We've had enough of you. They didn't have enough of Moses. Who'd they have enough of? God. They had enough of God. And so there in Numbers 16, uh, the Lord has to establish his authority. And he draws a line in the sand and he says, all those that do not want to be lining up with the established authority, get behind. Get, get on the other side, opposite the authority established. And he says, for the first time in the history of the world, the earth opened up and swallowed all the rebels. I, I, don't, I, I never have to posture for authority. When Absalom tried to take his father's throne, God grabbed him by the hair and speared him through the side. God judges a rebel in every expression. And so here he judged those rebels, but notwithstanding, in chapter 17, the principle of order needed to be established amongst the people of Israel. So Numbers 17, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. And get from them a rod from each tribe. And write Aaron's name in the rod of Levi. For there is one rod for the head of each father's household. Verse 4. You shall then bring them into the tent meeting. In front of the testimony where I meet. And it shall come to pass that the rod of a man whom I choose will sprout. And this way... 
I shall finish all the complaints. All the complaining is when there is no authority of God. And so God establishes a manner by which he's going he's to establish the authority. Verse 6, it says, Moses therefore spoke to the sons of Israel, and all the leaders gave him a rod for each leader of their father's house, 12. And so Moses deposited the rods, verse 7, before the Lord in the tent. And on the next day, Moses went into the tent of testimony, and behold, it was the rod of Aaron that would begin to sprout and to bud forth and produce blossoms and bore ripe almonds. How many understand that, that when we're going with the flow of authority, there's fruitfulness? It's not a barren land. It's not unfruitful. It's not unfertile. And so it was flourishing. And it sprouted. And there was ripe almonds. I could always tell when God has established his authority in a place because it prospers. It prospers. There is no contention. There is no controversy. And having established this testimony, verse 9, Moses brought out the rod from the presence of the Lord to all the sons of Israel, and they looked upon it. Each man took his rod. But the Lord said to Moses, Put back the rod of Aaron before the testimony, and this shall be kept as a sign for who? For rebels. They, they got to continue to be reminded, hey, knucklehead, you're not going to prosper outside of God's order. God's not going to bless you. You're not going to flourish. There's no fragrance there. There's a stench. There's confusion. There's strife. There's frustration. The authority of God is like a tree that provides shade. Everybody feels great when it's in authority. It's a refreshing. When you listen to authority, things prosper. And when you combat and rebel and complain, Put their complaints away from me, lest they die. If you complain, you die. What were they complaining about? Does anybody know? Verse 11 says, Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. Listen what they were complaining about. Verse 12. The sons of Israel spoke to Moses saying, Now, now that God has established where his authority is and what's going on, we are going to surely die. We're just going to die. We're going to die. Why were they saying that? Because if you follow authority, you live. Why were they saying they're going to die? Because they're not going to listen. See, now, now that God has already shown us, now we're going to perish. Verse 13. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of God, everybody who comes to church has to die. No one could have their opinion. That's what they're saying. That's exactly the conclusion they came to. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. And we shall all utterly die. It should have been long before you came to the house of God, you realized that you were dead in Christ. That you no longer lived, but that he lived in you. And now you've got to listen to God. And fulfill his pleasure, not yours. Because you are going nowhere really fast. And only God has plans for your life. Amen. Only he has a bright future. And those are the plans he has for you. So the quicker we're able to get there, the more we shall live. And you could read Judges chapter 9. As Abimelech decides to rebel against the established authority of God over his tribe. 
and he kills off all 70 of his brothers. And he says, it's better that I reign over you than all these 70. Let me tell you something. The Bible says submitting one to another in the fear of God. Each one submitting to the other. That's how we see the kingdom and the glory of God. Acts 20 verse 30, he says, From among you men will decide to rise up and they'll speak twisted things and they'll draw people after themselves. No authority should be a drawing people after yourself. It should be drawing them to God's plan, to God's leading, to God's prompting. And he says, these wicked men will come. Acts 20, verse 30. They will rise up from among you men who will rise up speaking perverse things to be drawn away, to draw disciples after themselves. I see that all the time. People have a lot of ministries, but Christ is not there. The church is not there, but it's their ministry. 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 one of the sons of King David decided he would not honor his father. 1 Kings 1.5. It says, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, one of David's wife, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and even people to run before him, saying, he's the man, he's the man, he's the man, he's the man. And verse 6, it says, Because his father had never rebuked him at any time, saying, what are you doing? He was a good-looking man. But his father never confronted his rebellion, never confronted his inability to serve anywhere. I want to tell you that Joseph is a great expression of how we come into God's purpose. The Bible says he listened, he submitted, he served, he walked in humility, he honored, he pursued God. At the end of his life, he says, this was not all about you. It was God. In Genesis 41, 56, it ends like this. He says, the famine was over all the face of the earth. There was need everywhere, lack everywhere. But Joseph opened all the storehouses. And he sold the provisions to the Egyptians. Back up. And the famine became severe in all the land of Egypt. Verse, the next verse, 57. So, say with me, all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. I ask you a question. If we take the spiritual thermometer of of God's kingdom and authority to different places upon the earth, And if we were to go to Egypt right now, if you read the paper this morning, chaos, confusion, a total inability. Six months ago, they said, let us put our own government. And they said, okay, we'll back off. We know know it's not a good government, but we're going to let, at least you have some order. Muslim Brotherhood. And what happened within a couple months? We don't want them either. Because a rebel, it doesn't matter where he's at. He cannot stand to listen to anybody, and to conform to the order of God's prosperity and blessing. And I really believe tonight is just a special night. Special night. Last week we talked about world-changing anarchy. This week the Lord presses us even more to world-changing authority. Let's stand. 
and ask God, Lord, and this is what my prayer is, every cell in my body be conformed to the image of Christ. And there's not one rebellious cell in Christ. There's not one, listen, there's not one rebellious cell in Christ or in the kingdom of God. Every connotation in the Bible with regards to rebellion is straight from the pit of hell, the likes of Satan. And so we must ask God, God, give us Christ-like meekness. Give us humility. Vest us with the grace to be complete. Colossians 2.10 says like this, you are totally complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete, lacking nothing. You're not, you know, sometimes we don't submit because they're going to take away from us. Listen to me. The principle of submission is to open the heavens, is to perfect, to get you prepared for what's coming, to let you see your rod flourish and blossom and bud and give forth ripe fruit. I think the Spirit of God is what allows that work to be done in us. It's the Spirit of God. Last time I checked, one of the fruits of the Spirit wasn't rebellion. Love, self-control, meekness, kindness, goodness, rebellion. No. No. And then seeing the glory of God established in our lives, in our families in our marriages, in our children. That's glorious. You are complete, made whole in Him who is the head of all principalities and power. Let's sing to the Lord and and just let this word settle in your spirit. And just, you know, I, I, on Monday nights with the men, this is kind of what I was saying. I said, I was, I was telling the men, listen, if you're not here doing what you should be here, then get to wherever you belong and do it over there. Because I, I refuse to spend my lifetime without seeing God's goodness. I want to see him show up. And he shows up in the hearts of men that are surrendered, in families 